Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Yes, amen. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Thankful. I am so thankful to God for everyone who came up here, for everyone who serves in every capacity in this church. This church has an amazing, amazing group of volunteers and staff and people who just come in and continue to give of themselves day in and day out. It is an honor to be a part of this team. Amen. Look over to your neighbor and say, it's good to be on your team. Okay. So, uh, how many of you were not here last week? Let's do it this way. How many were not here this week? Okay. How many of you have never heard me speak before? Okay, I've got to warn you real quick, and especially now that I'm in a time crunch, I talk really fast. Now, outside of church, I talk really slow, and I'm just cool, and like you want to talk about sports, something like that, it's cool. It'll be way laid back. But something about the anointing when it comes on me, I cannot, I just can't contain it. I don't know what to do. Uh, I feel like I'm going to explode sometimes. I feel like I'm just going to bust. Amen. Uh, so I do speak really fast, and I only have one speed. I tried to control it during the first service, and I'm not sure what a good job I did, but I didn't even break a sweat. So for me, that means we didn't even have church. All right, so, um, amen. Uh, I do come from a background where we do a whole lot of reach over and slap your neighbor. And listen, when I say slap your neighbor, especially up front, uh, I don't actually mean slap your neighbor, okay? I don't mean slap them. Um, so I'm trying to correct that. I'm working on that. And I'm, instead, I'm going to say, say to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say something. So we're not going to be violent because, you know, some of us... Um, coming out of the Pentecostal background, not Southern Baptist. I've gotten a lot of questions this week. People say, well, you must be Southern Baptist. No, I'm not. I'm not. Spirit-filled, full gospel. I'm a Christian. When it all comes down to it, I'm just a Christian. Amen. But, uh, but I, have known, I have known some of those in those circles to say, reach over and poke your neighbor in the eye and tell them we walk by faith and not by sight. Right? So we're not going to do all that. We're not going to do all that. Amen. I do have a lot of ground to cover, and I feel like I'd be cheating you if, uh, from this word if I tried to go into all of it. So I'm just going to condense it down. You're going to get the Cliff Notes version really quickly. All right? Reach over, look at your neighbor, and say, if it weren't for you, I would be the best-looking one in here. Yeah. Look at your other neighbor and say, if it weren't for me, you would be the best-looking one in here. Yeah. All right. All right. Amen. So last week, I'm just going to review real quick. Last week, we talked about David. This was going to be a two-parter, but you're going to get one part and a half. So last week, we talked a little bit about David. We talked about the hard times that he went through. We talked about him and his men being in battle. They came back to Ziklag where they were posted up, and the entire city had been burnt down. They lost everything. Uh, Their wives were gone. Their children were gone. Everything that they had worked so hard for and all the villages they raided, all the plunder they took was all gone. They were standing in a heap of ashes and coal when all of a sudden David's men who had been with him for a very long time on many battles throughout many fights all of a sudden his men turn their back on him and they say you know what we're gonna stone you we're gonna kill you we're gonna kill you we're done following you we've lost everything that we worked so hard to get we are going to stone David so David all upon his own he knows the Bible the Word of God says to stir up the gift of God look at your neighbor and say stir it up 
Stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you by the laying on of my hands. So David went aside from all the men, from all the threats, from all the people who were supposed to be his friends, but turned their backs on him. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He began to quote the scripture. He began to recite the Psalms and all the great victories that God had already brought them through. So he encouraged himself from the Lord. I said last week he got up and he did his best Conor McGregor. Everybody, everybody knows Conor McGregor, right? The MMA guy. And he starts strutting away and everybody's like, where's he going? Where's he going? We were just getting ready to stone him. And he said, I am going. The Lord told me to pursue, to overtake, and that I would recover all. David said, I'm going to do it. You guys can stay here in the heap of ashes and you can cry about all the losses if you want to. But I'm going to get my stuff back. Somebody say that with me. I'm going to get my stuff back. All right. All the things that the enemy has tried to steal from you, your peace, your joy, you can get it back. All the things that he's taken from you, your family. Family members, the people who said they would never come back into the house of God again, they are coming back. We are getting the stuff back. We are getting our family members back, the ones that the enemy has taken away into captivity. So as David goes down and he faces the Amalekites, he gets all of the women, he gets all of the children, he gets all of the belongings, everything they had fought for, he was able to bring back even more than they lost to begin with. Amen. God will restore more than you initially had. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. There's more. All right. So I was going to go into a part two on David. So what I'm going to do is just give you a really condensed, brief version of David. And we're just going to look into a very, very small section so of, of David's life. So what happened at the end of last week, remember, he went through all the great battles and he lost everything. And then right when they came back to Ziklag, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do now? And God said, I want you to go up to Judah. I want you to go up to Hebron and I want you to post up there. That's going to be your new home. So David goes back. They go back to Judah with all the men. They hadn't even unpacked their stuff. And the men of Judah came and they anointed him king. That had been spoken over his life up to 15 years before. So now in this brief snapshot, in this brief portrait, as we look into the life of David, we're going to fast forward another seven and a half years from the time he was anointed the king of Judah until David goes to become the king of all of Israel. Now he's in his rightful position. Now He's in the place where God initially anointed him to be. And one of his first moves as king of all of Israel is, he said, I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. The Ark of the Covenant originally resided inside of the tabernacle of Moses. It was a piece of furniture that was very meticulously built. And on the inside of the Ark of the Covenant, there were three items. And those three items were the Ten Commandments. And the second item was the uh, bowl of manna. And the third item was the rod of Aaron. So the Ten Commandments we know was, was God's commandments to the people in order for them to follow his ways that they may be good citizens, right? That they might walk according to his law. So those are sealed up inside of the Ark of the Covenant. The next thing that was inside there was the bowl of manna. The manna was a representation of God's provision that as long as you would seek God, that he will always provide your needs, that you will never go without. David wrote one time, I, I, have, I will never see my seed be forsaken nor them out begging for bread. Amen. When you're a child of the king, you don't have to beg. You don't have to look. You don't have to beg, borrow, or steal. God will provide. The Bible says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we have those three items inside the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant now is resides within the holies of holies. Uh, could you give me the picture real quick up there? Could we get the picture of the... So this is what the Old Testament tabernacle looked like. On the outside, we had a fence 150 feet by 75 feet, 
seven feet high. At one end of this fence, there was only one way in. Amen. There was only one way in to the Holy of Holies. You had to go through the one door, and that was made of purple, blue, and red cloth or linen. There was one way in. How many of you know that there's only one way in to the kingdom of God? Amen. It's not through, it's not through Muhammad. It's not through Buddha. It's not through your good works, and it's not through how good you can be. There's only one way in, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the door into the Holy of Holies. As we get into the tabernacle, so we've got the outlying fence. Now we've got the tabernacle itself. It was separated by a veil. There was a holy place, and then behind the veil was the Holy of Holies. Say that with me. The Holy of Holies. Inside the Holy of Holies, there was one piece of furniture. That was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is where God would show up literally and meet with the people of Israel. As the Ark of the Covenant was inside the tabernacle, and there's usually a roof on that, there was a, a pillar of cloud that rested over the Ark of the Covenant by day. And at night, there was a pillar of fire that rested over the Ark of the Covenant. And when the children of Israel would wake up in the morning, and they would reach outside and grab them a little handful of manna, next thing they would do is look up and see if that cloud had moved. That's how they were moved. That's how they were led. They were led by the cloud of His presence. They were led by the fire of His presence. That's how they knew when it's time to go. The tabernacle was a mobile church. They sometimes would stay in an area for a week. Sometimes it was a year. Sometimes it may have just been a few days, but it was mobile. It all had to be moved. Well, over time, Israel crossed over into the Promised Land. The Ark of the Covenant led them over. They destroyed all the cities. They they had walked into the promise that God had spoken unto them. They that they would indeed be heirs of the promised land. As they make it over into the promised land, something begins to happen. Over time, over about 400 some odd years, the Israelites begin to lose their focus on God. They begin to lose their focus on the promise and on all the great things that God had given them. And even though they had made it through the wilderness, even though they made it into the land that he had promised them for generations and generations, they began to take their eyes off of the promise of God. How many of you know when we take our eyes off of the promise, that's when the enemy creeps in? Hey, when we start looking at the things that are around us instead of the promises of God, that's when we start getting distracted. That's when we start losing focus. So they lost focus. And the next thing you know, the ark disappears. The ark disappears. It's gone. They start worshiping other gods. They start worshiping gods from other countries and foreign nations. And, and they forgot all about the God of Israel. So now we fast forward about 426 years unto David when he becomes king. And David says his first order of business, he said, I want to get the ark of the covenant back into Israel. I want to get the presence of God back into the house of God. Amen. His number one goal, the first thing he wanted to achieve, the biggest achievement of David's life, why God called him a man after my own heart is because he wanted God's presence more than tradition, more than man's ways, more than anything else. He wanted God's presence. So this was a symbol of the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant is a symbol of God's presence where he would literally meet. So now David says, all right, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. He riles up the men. He says, all right, men, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. So they go down and they go to the Philistines and they're going to grab the Ark of the Covenant. What happens is they forgot to read the ceremonial law that said that the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried a very specific way on stabs. So they said, we're going to take a cart because sometimes the enemy will trick you with the easy way. The easy way is not always the right way. If it's going to be a God thing, if it's going to be a good thing, it's probably going to cost you something. It's probably going to be worth the work to get it home. So they took a cart and they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it on this cart and they began to wheel this cart back. Well, as the cart was being wheeled back, 
back, the ox hit a ditch, and the, the Ark of the Covenant spewed over, and a man named Uzzah reached over, and he tried to stable the, the Ark of the Covenant. Well, what happened was he dropped dead immediately from mishandling the glory of God. So David goes back and he says, all right, guys, we need to regroup. We need to come up with a plan. We have got to get the presence of God back into Jerusalem. So he goes back down. They take the rods this time. They take the staves. And the Bible says that they inserted those. Uh, can we get a picture of the Ark of the Covenant real quick? Okay, so he's, they inserted the, the staves into those four holes to carry, to properly transport the glory of God back into the city. Now, as they did that, the Bible says that they, they the priests threw it up on their shoulders and they began to walk and they took six paces. And this is where we're going to camp out right here. They took six paces while carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says that they stopped and they celebrated and they, they made an offering. And David began to dance and they sang songs and they played music and it was one big party. Amen. Man, it was one big party. It sounded like a new life party up in there. Music was jamming. People were worshiping. David was dancing. Pastor Tim was running out, dancing out of his clothes. It was wild. It was crazy. It was crazy. So they took six paces and they celebrated. And, and I've read some commentaries, and I'm not trying to make the argument for this, but I've read some commentaries that said that every six paces that they took, they stopped and they celebrated. So they took six more paces and they stopped and they made a sacrifice and they celebrated. And they took six more paces and they stopped and they sacrificed and they celebrated. And the moral of the story is this. We don't have to wait until we reach the goal to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Amen. You don't have to be sober for five years before you can celebrate. You don't have to be clean from addiction for ten years before you can celebrate. You don't have to be all the way through. You don't have to have the twenty year goal before you can celebrate. Celebrate at a week, celebrate at a month, celebrate all the way because it is what God has done in your life. So David sees the Ark of the Covenant coming back. Listen quickly. David sees the Ark of the Covenant coming back. And he, as they get into the town, they get into the city. David's wife is overlooking the city. And, he, and she looks out the city. She looks out the window of the palace. And as she looks out the window of the palace, she sees David dancing. And as soon as David makes it back, everyone else is celebrating. Everyone else is happy except for David's wife. He walks into the house expecting her to give him a big high five and a hug and here's dinner, great job today, baby. No, instead, he walked into how precious was the king of Israel today. You were so dignified. You looked real kingly out there, David. Come on, a little attitude, probably some of this. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, you looked like a real good king out there. David, you, you did an awesome job uncovering yourself in front of all those people. I'm so proud of you. You're, you're so dignified. And David said, let me tell you something. If you think I was dancing for you, you missed the whole point, baby. I was dancing for God who saved me from the hand of the lion, who saved me from the hand of the bear, who saved me from the hand of the giant, who saved me from the Philistines and the Malachites. I wasn't dancing for you. I wasn't getting excited for you. I was excited for God. He's the one that called me. See, don't let people disillusion you because they will try to sidetrack you. But it's not people that are bringing you to your purpose. It's God that's bringing you to your purpose in life. And I want to encourage you that while you're on the way, while you're on the way to your purpose, while you're on the way to restoring that glory, continue to celebrate. Don't let the enemy stomp you out. Don't let him smolder your flames. Continue to celebrate no matter what. As you're making a step each day, I'm one step closer. I might not be exactly where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen. I know I'm not perfect. I know there's work to be done, but thank God that he's brought me from where I was back then.
Yeah, so, so he said, you, you missed the whole point. I wasn't dancing for you. I was dancing for God. And I want to encourage somebody who's been taking steps in the right direction. Now, I told this little story, and we're running out of time, but I told this little story. I don't know how many of you can notice, but um, if you have noticed lately, <clears throat> but I started working out again. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't notice either, but... Uh, <laughs> So I started working out, right? And I'm working out with this guy and he's, I'm 40. He's 21, I think, 22. So he's about half my age, but I'm still 40. You know what I'm saying? About 40 year old me. I'm still 40. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let some little 20 something year old show me up. So we get in the gym and he's fit and he's like a cross country marathon runner and everything. And I'm like a 40 year old dad. You know what I mean? Like I cut grass, I weed eat around the pond and I'm like, Whew. oh God. So I'm working out with this guy, and he's like, man, what do you want to do? And I'm like, throw it on there, bro. Let's do it. I haven't worked out in 20 years. I'm going to show you what's up. So I said, you go first, though. So he's like, okay, yeah. So he throws a little weight on there, and it's probably, I ain't going to say how many pounds. You'd have to watch the video from first service to see that. But um, we'll just call it 200 for now. We'll just just, just pull a number up. Throw 200 pounds on there. It wasn't 200 pounds. So he hops under there, and he's like, just hops in, he's all fit, and he, you know, he's not even sweating or anything, and I'm like drenched from running two laps around the gym. So he, I said, you go first. So he gets up there, and he's like, poof, 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 just make it look easy. And I'm like, yeah, get it, get it. He's not much bigger than me, but man, he's young. So, uh, so like, yeah, okay, all right, my turn. I'm chalking up. You know, that's the important thing, chalk up. Stretch, praying, God, don't let me hurt myself. So I get under... I get under these weights and my goal is 200. You know, I want to get back up to 200. I want to be able to bench that, but now I'm not quite there. And, and so I hop under those weights and he's like, you ready? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you need a spot. I'm like, no, I got this. Let's do it. I hop under there. I learned this trick back in high school where if you lean to one side, the weights will fall off that side. Then they'll fall off the other side and you'll be free. And I jumped up. I'm like, Woo! Man, that was good. I was like, but the thing is, so we took the weights down a little bit. You know, we took it down from 200 pounds to, we'll just say, 100 pounds. And, uh, and I got under that 100, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pushing it out. And he's standing there like, looking, <laughs> right? But the thing was, when I was done with that, I stood up, and I was like, man, that felt good. You know, I felt good. I was celebrating, even though my goal was way down the road. Even though my goal was way down here, I'm still celebrating. I look, I made the effort to go forth. Amen. I made the effort to go forth in the thing. In the same, it works for so many ways in our, in our life. Like you don't have to wait. If your goal is to, to be a millionaire, you don't have to wait till you save up a million dollars to celebrate. Somebody put five bucks back. That means something, right? It means something to grab that coffee can and have a little shake in there, right? Or you're on a diet and you want to lose some weight. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you, you lose 50 pounds. Celebrate at five. Yeah? Just not with cheesecake, right? We just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate. We want to do it in awe and in reverence. Amen. So what I want to encourage you to do is to celebrate where you are right now, where God has brought you from. That you're not where you were six months ago, that you're not where you were five years ago, but you are on your way to what God has called you to be. That's a very, 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 yes. Amen.
The Holy Spirit used to reside over the Ark of the Covenant. It used to have to be carried. Men would have to look at it. Uh, they would have to set it up inside the Holy of Holies. But right now, that, see, that was thousands of years ago. Right now, the Ark of the Covenant is the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of us. We don't have to go to a high priest. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that the veil was rent in the tabernacle. It was destroyed in the tabernacle that separated the holy place and the holy of holies. So when that veil was rent, we now have access to go boldly to the throne of grace. We have an advocate with the Father. We have a relationship with the Father. We have access with the Father where we can come to Him at any time. We don't have to call the high priest and confess our sins. We go straight to the source. I want you to stand up on your feet with me this morning. Hallelujah. If we could get some, uh, someone to come up and make some noise for me, please. Jesus, we thank You. Thank You, Lord. The Holy Spirit is doing a work inside this church. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's not a force, it's not a wind. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He is doing a work in this church. I see it week after week. I see the fire being stoked up. I see people being lit up. I see people standing up and taking ownership of who they are in Christ Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will give you that boldness. He will give you that boldness. The Bible tells us that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon all flesh, upon all flesh. He will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. If you don't know this already, we are in the last days. We are in the time. We are in the time where the body of Christ is building up and to be that force to be reckoned with in this earth. Amen. That's what Jesus designed. That's what Jesus designed the church to be powerful. The church to be powerful, to carry on the works that Jesus did while he was on this earth. And the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. He wants to use you as a vessel. He wants to use you. He wants to fill you. He wants to, he wants to flow outside of you. Where, everywhere you go, people will say, man, what's happened? What happened in their life? What is so different in their life? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. We're, we're not trying to handle things. We're not trying to carry it in a cart. We're not trying to get there quickly. We're, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price so that the Holy Spirit can be carried inside of this tabernacle. He doesn't dwell any longer in, inside of the tabernacle that was out in the wilderness. Now, He dwells in the tabernacle of our hearts. In our hearts and He wants to lead you. And he wants to guide you and he wants to be your friend and he wants to speak to you. He wants to give you advice. He wants to give you counsel. He wants to love on you when you fall. He wants to encourage you to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off and keep moving forward. I felt this in first service and it was so it was confirmed and I feel it again right now. That there are some of us in here that are facing decisions that are going to affect us not just for the next couple weeks, not just for the next couple months, not even the next couple years, but for a long time. That, that we're faced with a decision that is going to have an impact possibly for generations. You don't know the answer. You've prayed about the answer. But the Holy Spirit does know the answer. He does know the solution to every problem in your life. The Holy Spirit has the answer. And he said, if you will just seek me, I want to talk to you. 
I want to commune with you. I want to love with you. I, I want to shelter you. I want to protect you. But most of all, I want to guide you. The thing that God's wanted from the foundation of the earth is relationship with you. With you. Friendship with you. To love you. To be open to you. I, want, I, I would ask for every head to be bound and every eye closed right now. And no one's looking around. But, but if that's you today and, and you're up against this decision, nobody's looking at you. I, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The Bible says that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. Jesus said it is imperative that I go because the spirit that's coming, he will guide you. He will lead you into all truth. The encouragement of this whole thing, as we look at David with the biggest accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment, bringing the presence of God back, is to challenge you on an individual level to seek the face of God like never before in your life. It's to seek the voice of the Holy Spirit like you've never done before because no friend of yours has the answer. Stop asking them for advice. There is one that has the answer. There is one. And he wants to speak with you. And he longs to speak with you. As the Holy Spirit gets carried right back into this church. And as the hearts are beginning to fill and become overflowed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's doing that to guide you. He's doing that to speak with you. I want to ask you if you raise your hand, if you would be so bold as to take a step forward today and say, you know what? I may have mishandled the glory before. I tried it on my own means before and I failed and I'm lucky I didn't die, but I'm still here today. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. And I want to challenge you this morning to take a step out of your seat, no matter who's around you right now, and make your way up to this altar and let the ministry teams pray with you. Let them pray with you. Let them pray with you. There were several hands that were raised. Now I would never embarrass or call anyone out. And if you don't want to come forward, that's okay too. But I would challenge you, if you would take a step out in faith, God will always answer. Whenever you take a step in faith, he will always answer. Come on, if there are more, make your way up front right now. It's, it's the decision. It's decision time. It's the valley of decision. It's, it's this point in time where, where you need to hear from God, where you need to hear his voice. Not any more opinions. Not any more polls. You need clarity from the voice of God. If you're in here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you could make today the greatest day of your life for generations to come. Perhaps you're here and you do know him, but you've walked away and you've turned your back and you've cooled off. I want to challenge you to come back. Come back. He's always calling. He's always waiting. There's nothing that you've done that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, would you make your way forward? Make your way forward and let's pray. Because today is the day of salvation. Everyone who would, if you're not up front praying, would you please just stretch forth a hand and let's pray for our brothers and sisters that are up here seeking wisdom.
You could just be praying there for where you're at with that hand extended. However God leads you to pray for these folks, you just pray. You don't need me to lead you right now. amazing as God squeezes the heart and comes out the eyes. As God just breaks through and ministers to folks, pray for them. Pray for them. on the outward but you look on the heart so we just open our hearts before you and we pray for our brothers and sisters that are here today whatever their needs are whatever their the issues they're dealing with we don't need to know the great physician knows how to heal the great physician knows how to help so father we just pray in jesus name that your holy spirit would minister and touch hearts even if, as you did earlier in the service you continue to do now lord your spirit is working in our midst do not quench your spirit. We do not squelch your spirit. We do not do any harm to what you do. No harm to the spirit of God and the work of God. We yield to your spirit. Father, minister to these hearts today. We bless you. We thank you for what you're doing. And we pray for our brothers and sisters now in Jesus' holy and powerful name. And we all say, You know, I I think I heard Rusty playing Amazing Grace there. Were you playing Amazing Grace? We should know the first and second verse, Amazing Grace. Sing with me. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
sing a hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, if I haven't told you guys how much I loved you lately, I do love you lately. I really do. I love you guys. Share the love for you, Lee. Let each other know you're there if they need them. Remember, share the love, but not the germs. God bless you.